What's up, everybody? It's great to be back, and I'm super excited to share with you this episode that I recorded with the lovely Stacy Fontaine. Um, it's kind of a end of the year recap episode. Um, we talk about a lot of things, so I've included a index of sorts in the description of uh, in the post and wherever you're listening to this, wherever the description is, it'll be in there. And you can kind of jump around the episode because there's a lot of fun stuff in it, uh, but it is a long one. So uh, we take a couple of listener questions and there's even a bonus clip after the outro. So check that out. Um, Otherwise, I hope you are faring well. Uh, I hope you're excited to bring this year to a close and start the new year. And if you're not excited... um, Well, I hope this episode gives you something to... I don't know. It's kind of depressing at points. So what am I saying? Enjoy it. And I look forward to podcasting with you again in 2018. April 3rd was the last time. Summer break. Yeah. No problem. I mean, I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Considering the assault on our... American freedoms. Don't get me started. <laughs> so it's been since April, but here I am back with the lovely Stacy Fontaine Skelly. Hello. Stacy Fontaine, professionally. All yes. right. <laughs> Call her agent. <laughs> um so we're back, you know, mostly, not mostly, but back because it was time to be back. And uh also because uh, I am organizing and like co-hosting a fire seance for the members of our little sisterhood here that we have kind of going on. And we are, you know, burning 2017 clean. I just, can't wait. Right? Like What a year. You know, just letting it all go, you know, so we're going to have all sorts of stuff set up. So this episode is kind of themed around that. A little precursor. Yeah. And you know, it is, it's the end of the year. I mean, this uh, will air in uh, a couple weeks, on December 14th, but it's not December. That's actually our friend Emily Bell's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Emily Bell. If you're listening to it on the day it airs, which you should, okay? Be a good friend. (laughs) Put this before your birthday celebration. so yeah, this is kind of like a yeah a way to include a wider audience in what we're doing in our little community, um, and to kind of talk about this year because it's been a interesting one. A lot has happened. Um, was twenty seventeen better, worse, or as you expected it to be, considering what twenty sixteen brought us? I don't, I wouldn't say what I expected. Um, it's one of those hard things because for me personally, there were some really great things that happened or things that grew, you know. Um, we had bought our home in 2016 and kind of really went in together during 2017 and blossomed it and made it our own and had some really great memories in there. And um, other things that just went on that I really loved in 2017, but when it comes to like the world, it was a very depressing year, you know? So, <laughs> You're like, my life, it was okay, but yeah. <laughs> what I just think about, burning. yeah, everything else that was going on and you can't really, it, you can't help it. Like it just affects yourself personally as well totally. and it seeps in. So um, looking back, it just, <clears throat> it, it kind of 
is all one big ball. Right. Or you can't separate what happened personally and what happened in the world and how it affected you. Right. So it wasn't what I expected. It was pretty tough, you know? Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people had some really personal tough things, the people that I read about in the news. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so I don't want to compare it to that, but it sucked. You know, it's I think hope you know, I would I would hope that it it's nice to know that people who don't know you but hear your story are like really affected by it and it feels like you share kind of in the energy you know Um, I'm definitely taking I told myself like I think mid-November or whatever that I'm like or no actually October maybe anyway that I would take a little bit of a break from the news cycle which Mm -hmm. literally means like I'm still going to be on Twitter and stuff but I'm not going to watch Vice News tonight every night yeah and I'm not gonna you know um check my my news app and stuff all the time so I've been mostly sticking to that yeah but it's been rough because obviously all you know all of this other stuff is coming out and all, all of this so I thought it'd be a good mental break which I think it was but it is still hard to you still know things are happening and you could be involved in in helping or whatever, you know, paying closer attention. I don't know. I love Twitter though, because there are times where you go on there and you are staying informed with the news and it is kind of sad, but then man, there are parts of Twitter that are just so hilarious that like, you know, as much as I try not to be on there at midnight, I'll be scrolling at midnight and just like cracking up. And my husband's like, can you go to sleep yet? But I'm like cracking up crying because it's so hilarious. And it's such, it can be such a ridiculously hilarious mental break as totally, well. You know, totally, totally. tidbits of the crappy news, but yeah. also with just so many funny me- me- memes. memes. <laughs> like the French came out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, memes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's like that's the other that's what comedy is, you yeah. know. It's tragedy with like survival, mm-hmm. tragedy plus timing, right? Yeah, Something yeah, like yeah. that. That sounds about um, right. <laughs> yeah, so it I feel like I I've done okay not feeling like guilty about it because it's like I've made it to December and you know, the world isn't lit, you know, the world's pretty fucked, but our president's still an idiot yep. and you know, I like he's to just... call him Orange Joffrey. Orange Joffrey. Like, <laughs> I've been saying. I actually found. I actually saw that from this Instagram account called Female Collective, which is a great Instagram account. Plug. She's like, I refuse to even say his name, so I'm calling him Orange Joffrey. I was like, I like that. <laughs> Orange Benjamin Button Joffrey. God, he's gross. He's gross. Um, but yeah, it's been like he. Uh, it's been nice getting away from the news cycle of him like offending people every yeah. day. You know, it's like, okay, I don't I, I don't need to hear all of that. Yeah. And like, I don't follow the accounts on Twitter or anything, nope. but like, you know, if I'll, I saw, I'll see something and I'll, I'll check it every once in a while. And literally I'll just like scroll through like just craziness, craziness. Like how, I mean, I'm in front of a computer most of the day for work and I still don't have time to tweet that much, yeah. but... The, I know. Meanwhile, aren't you supposedly running the country. What is like, happening? I'm playing golf. And <laughs> yeah. Eating. You know. Yeah. That's probably it. And watching Fox News and <laughs> sitting in a robe and being like, "Can I get one of those door locky buttons installed?" Did you hear about that with no. Matt Lauer? Oh, he had like a 
a, a button installed in his desk that locked his door without have him having to get up. Oh my god! Which like that's in, like Wally. So <laughs> <laughs> they like don't get up to do anything yeah. anymore. <laughs> I want to harass women, but I don't want to get up and do it. <laughs> Can you bring yourself over here and victimize yourself on my body? Gross. Uh. <laughs> so that's a great segue into one of probably the biggest things that's come to light, I'll say, in 2017. Mm. Definitely not something that's new or, you know, as as uh, all women know, you know, sexual assault, sexual violence, sexual harassment, all of that stuff is unfortunately part of most of all of our everyday lives. You know, I, you know, I think it's just another reminder of how bad it the is. The degree. Yeah. Because yeah. you and almost want to tell yourself maybe that maybe things are getting better, maybe you know? Maybe things are getting better. And then like <clears throat> just the names of people that come out, people that you might have admired. Yeah. And people that you respected. Which one was the hardest one for you, you think? Um, yeah. Being, you know, being an actress and, you know. Yeah. Amazing names. Oh. <sighs> you know... I'm trying to think back now. It's sad that I have to be like, there were so many. I can't even like pick, you know. Oh my God, it's terrible. It's, I laugh to prevent myself from just dissolving into a puddle of water. Yeah. Actually, uh, when I got a text about Russell Simmons, I was heartbroken. Yeah, I think I text you that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, sorry. And even most recently, Matt Lauer, I was like, not that I'm like this huge fan of Matt Lauer. I don't ever watch. <laughs> it was a Good Morning America. I don't even know. But like Today Show. Today Show. Whoop, millennials. We don't give a fuck about cable. <laughs> yeah, I don't watch that stuff. But still, it was like I knew that he was this kind of sunshiny, happy figure, and I think they had just celebrated his like thirtieth or twentieth year on mm. that show, and it was all smiley, happy, and it was just I don't know. I was just just so disappointed. Yeah, it's just it's a. It's a mask, you know, in a lot of ways because it's, I read that even, you know, the people that came forward to corroborate or whatever mm. said that it was really cringy to watch him report on yeah. Weinstein or whoever and or whoever it was at the time, um, knowing That's that right. he kind of had this behavior. I never watched any of that stuff anyway, and he kind of looks like a creep to me, but yeah. I'm a woman, so certain male characteristics yeah. <laughs> automatically trigger by like, mm, something creepy about you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that was... But those ones were, and the Matt Lauer one was fairly fresh. I think for me, um, the Kevin Spacey one was really rough. Oh my gosh, yes. That's just... <sighs> just rough. You don't want to, I wanna, mean, yeah. it was like so many hits because not only the news of it, but also his idiotic reaction. Yeah, yeah, quote, yeah, yeah. apology was oh just like... God. All the apology... I don't think I've read a good... Not that there, you know what I mean, is a good apology for something like that, yeah. but it's it's all really been exceptionally yeah. bad. <laughs> it was so like, bad. And oh my God. it surprises me so much. Most recently, the people that have been accused like Roy Moore and mm. the people that just are like, well, this is different. <laughs> or like, it's fine. We're still backing him. And it's like, but you were critical of all these other people. But all of a sudden, it's in politics and it's somebody in your party and that's, you can just ignore things. So that's really disappointing too. Not that I'm, part of that party but it's just surprising yeah. to see where people, people's line is yeah. you know what I mean like somebody made a good analogy on the radio today where they were like they have it's like a football team and they put on a jersey and no matter what happens yeah they are wearing that jersey and they don't think outside of 
what might happen. Yeah. You know, like they don't think that anything could go wrong if they have this jersey on and they're just going to keep it on and defend it forever. Yeah. And it's like, it's okay, <laughs> you know? Yeah, the, tri- the, the tribalist thing, or what you know what I mean? Just like the need to be part of a group. Yeah. And and being, separating yourself from the group is, is worse to than, you know, accepting a truth or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's also, you know, like I think s- some of the stuff you hear, you know, and even for me, like with, with Kevin Spacey, because that felt, like a dagger because yeah. I'm a, you know, I'm a fan and, you know, we were talking about his documentary and, yes. and you know, the, the, the theatrical work and stuff like that. And just being a fan, obviously, um, not that I have, I mean, even with Kevin Spacey, like not that I have a problem, not like standing for a celebrity, you know, it's a, they're a celebrity, no offense. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's a fan fandom. So I can kind of leave it there. But anyway, so with the Kevin Spacey thing, I was like, fuck, I really don't, I hope this isn't true. And you almost like tell yourself like, maybe it's not that bad, Yeah, which is already a horrible place to start, yeah. you know, because you're already kind of like, where, I mean, what kind of sexual harassment or assault would you tolerate? Yeah. You know, what is a tolerable amount? So um, for me, I was just like, I just want to read the main source. I want to read the article that broke the story and in the interview with the victim. Um, and and it was like, even though people can say like he said, she said, or whatever, it's just, for me, it was like after reading it, it was like, yeah, that's terrible. It's so terrible. Yeah. And then you hear about stories about, you know, his theater company coming out and being like, uh, yeah, we actually had a bunch of complaints. Yeah. And we apologize for not, you know, taking better care of the situation. Man. You know, so it was just, and it wasn't like five or six, which is bad enough. One is bad enough, but... It was like 21 or something insane. Yeah. You know, so, and then, uh, it's just, yeah. It's, I mean, that's that's a very common thread with all of them, right? Like that there were complaints. You know, if we go back to Uber, we talk about the Today Show, like there were complaints and they're just such assets, you know, because the company is also looking at them as an asset and yeah. would probably drop them if their ratings dropped in a hot minute, which you know, you can argue is what they're doing anyway. Yeah. You know, it's not really, a, oh, yeah. is it a moral standing? No, it's like, listen, you're gross now. So, yeah. and, in a, and, you know, you're toxic to our ratings. So we're just going to let you go. But, um, you know, I, I think that like what's what's interesting is like you still get those kind of, you know, those, those it, it's almost like there is a segment of society that constantly wants to argue it no matter what, especially when it comes to things surrounding women. So like, I'm still hearing like, you know, we we don't know and these could be false and false reporting and what if they're whatever, whatever. So like, I feel like in, it's so interesting to see that even, even with this insane wave of like women coming forward and feeling empowered to do so and feeling like maybe their careers wouldn't be ruined forever or that it wouldn't, and they don't even know that yet, you yeah. know? Like, it's almost like a bigger wave of like, but you could be lying though for the attention. Oh. <laughs> it's like, what? That makes me crazy. I just saw a report by the Holly, uh, Washington Post. Did you see how they got, they did like an undercover sting because there was this woman who came forward and, you know, they take time. People just assume that like, as soon as somebody comes forward, they're tweeting it or like writing up a story right away. Right, but right. They take time to vet stories. They ask questions, they right. research, you know. They take time to do these things because accusations are serious. Yeah. <laughs> and this one woman came forward and they just were a little suspicious about it. So the more they investigated, they realized that um, 
this guy, I can't remember his name, but he is like the head of this really far white right group. Mm-hmm. As you say far white group, <laughs> far <What>? right group. <laughs> he hired her to make a false claim wow. to the Washington Post so they could post it and then claim it as false. Wow. And they they were doing their vetting process and their vetting process worked and they realized she was false and they got her on video. Nice. And um, audio basically, you know, asking her all these questions and are you sure? Or right. you actually, your name is part of this group and what do you, and the lady got spooked and it all came out. And that's happened a few times. So it's like, Wait, people are really taking need- time to vet these women, you know? Why did you answer this Craigslist ad, lady? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't look like, you know, there are stats on false reporting. So it's not like, you know, when people bring this up, it's like they think they're uncovering this third angle that nobody's ever thought about before. There are stats on false reporting. And, you know, we obviously know horror stories of people that have been falsely incriminated, especially with all these documentaries that come out on Netflix and they shed light on those stories, you yeah. know, but the idea shouldn't be to make police more hostile towards victims, yeah. you know, and more, inter- you know, interrogating them after a traumatic incident. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I read this really great and I'll link it. Um, it's a really great report by ProPublica and they were kind of talking about how um, there are these organizations that are implementing training programs and police stations because they're... you know, they're finding all of these cases of women who reported being raped or assaulted and who were charged with false reporting. And then they dropped, you know, they dropped everything because they're like, you're going to, you know, they're, they're treating them essentially like they're lying from the beginning and not really factoring in that when someone's gone through a traumatic experience, you know, there are certain things that come out like they're, they're kind of iffy on things that have happened. And you know what I mean? They're, yeah, they've gone through trauma so the things aren't going to go as you expect but they kind of still get treated like like a cop interrogating somebody for a crime yeah Um, and so they had all these like uh, cases of women who you know reported they went to the police they were assaulted and luckily for these women in some horrific way right in a horrific kind of form of luck there was um video or photographic evidence a couple years later, a certain amount of time later that proved that they were in fact assaulted by the people. In certain cases, of course, this person was a serial rapist and then they, you know, so it was like, there was an issue with even just this like myth that, you know, women are gonna, or, you know, victims false report and that that is of enough of a proportion or enough of a percentage where that should be the issue. Yeah. Like, no, it's around, I think two to 7% is usually around like the quoted, like false reporting, which is common for most crimes or whatever. But another thing is, is like, it's really difficult, even if you were faking that shit to go forward with that kind of process. You know, I mean, I was part of, you know, uh, uh, employment situation that involved, you know, uh, a lawsuit and sexual harassment claims and all of this stuff. And the thing is like, you have to, when it comes to filing charges or anything, like you have to prove damages. And it's like with certain cases where it's like harassment or assault or whatever, like you, if you're not able to prove that this like caused you a monetary amount of damage and then you have to go through the whole legal process and whatever, it's like, it's, it doesn't, it's, 
it's like, why would anyone do that? Yeah. Why would you do that if you, if it didn't happen to you? And what kind of monetary gain is anyone seeing victims get that is like enviable and like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to accuse somebody. And yeah, there are crazy people out there that do crazy things, but I think that two to 7% feels like that's accurate. And yeah. I think it's, important, you know, these groups that are coming in and helping police stations and stuff like that deal with, you know, what do you, what is typical of a victim of rape? And a lot of things aren't typical at all. You know, they just don't fit into a category because people handle, yeah, yeah, people handle trauma. Um, And then that's not even to mention, which is the most infuriating thing is like the backlog of untested rape kits. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. Just honestly, if you use the argument of false reporting, just look up just Google backlog of untested rape kits and then just look at that number. It's insane. It is insane. So even for victims who went and did quote the right thing and reported it and had this invasive rape kit procedure done, and then it's just sitting in a closet for years while this perpetrator is probably off, you know, assaulting other people. I mean, it's crazy. So it's, it's one of those things that like, you know, when it's instantly turn back around to like, what if this bitch is lying? It's like... That's insane. There was a great This American Life story about just that. And this girl um, was talking about how she got raped and nobody believed her. And it all stemmed from this cop saying like, when she was telling me the story, she she wasn't crying. She kind of told it just kind of straight. Oh, I heard that one. I heard that one. And it's something about her, like her mom or her guardian or whatever, her aunt who helped her. Her her guardian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It was heartbreaking. And then like, she just got slut shamed on Facebook and, you know, she she had assistant housing and that got let go because everybody thought she was lying and all these crazy things. And then it turned out that the serial rapist, like years later, had stored photos, literally a photo of her holding up like a license plate of her face and they found out, oh, she was telling the truth this whole time. Wow. And it was sad because she literally was like, am I crazy? Like, did this happen? Yeah, You know, yeah, because yeah. everybody was telling her it hadn't happened. And so she really started to believe, she didn't know what to believe anymore. Right, especially when they're young, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it was so sad. And so she had to just have this traumatic event happen and then have nobody believe her just because this cop just instilled this doubt because right. he was like, she just, she wasn't crying. Sounds like, like how, yeah. What do you, you know? You seem what you're like do? you're lying. Yeah, yeah. They one of the advocacy groups is implementing this like thing where you know victims can report an assault or a, you know a rape or or something to the police without requesting that they pursue it. So uh, it's almost like part of the police department's information gathering, but they, it gives victims a channel and they could kind of decide what happens next. And it's not, you know, you know how it is where it's like, well, if you, if you don't want to press, then what are you doing here? Mm. You know, but more that more, it's like, tell me what happened, you know, and maybe they can use it to solve other crimes or whatever, but it still leaves it up to the victim because a lot of people, maybe they don't want to go through that entire process, you know? And I think even, even if you did somehow, somehow, which is the minority of the cases, you get this person convicted, you get a settlement, let's say, since people always try to act like this woman's going to get any kind of monetary gain. Like having your name forever associated with, you know, so-and-so's accuser, just being, you know, your name and that person's name, especially if that person is your abuser, you know, forever Googled together or whatever it is. I mean, that's, it's something that a lot of victims 
certainly are just like, fuck that. Yeah. You know, I already went through this. Like, I'm not going to put myself through another kind of ringer of cops who automatically, you know. So anyway, there are these advocacy groups who are trying to work with police departments and make it easier for for victims. So that's And it is sad cool. that people feel like, oh, I don't want to go through this thing where, you know, everybody knows that it's a sucky process. Like it should be something where it's like, I should feel safe yeah. going to the authorities because I know I'll be taken care of. And no matter- right what they think, you know, if they yeah. think it's false or whatever, it should be this standard, careful, delicate process, right. you know? Right. Um, so yeah, there's a foundational problem there. Yeah. Sure. And I, I think like Chevy and I were talking about this and that like, I feel like maybe it's that we don't, you know, it's too easy to be a police officer or maybe it's like, it's like being a teacher where there isn't, you don't get paid enough for the right people who mm. go into it for the right reasons or the phone. I don't know what it is, you know, but it seems like they should have training. You know, it, it's almost like obviously our expectations of what police departments do are based on media. You know, yeah. it's based on shows and shit. And and it's like, I don't think it's really like that in real life. And and they don't, they're not able to just like solve your problem and believe you and, and you know, know who the, the good guy is and the bad guy and stuff like that. So, um, but again, it, you know, for me, it's just like, you're not the, you know, to you, the proverbial you out there <laughs> uh, are not the first person who's like, what if she's lying? Yeah. You know, that question's been asked and I feel like it's kind of been answered. You can't move forward saying, well, what if you're lying? Because you have to address the majority of people who are coming to the police because something horrible happened, you know, yeah. um, and they want to report it. And, I, you know, I like the idea of having a channel open where you can kind of do that and it's not like you have to proceed in the criminal process because it's such a daunting. I mean, for us, it wasn't even it was just like going to court was like, oh my God, fuck this, yeah. you know? Like, oh my God, this is a fucking nightmare. And it's just like, you need to pr provide all sorts of things and it's draining. And meanwhile, most of us, you know, you're working and you, your life has to continue. So it's like- I always think about two people who, you know, I think back to things like Serial and how they, the podcast, did you ever listen to Serial? Mm. I've heard, I heard about it, but I, I haven't listened to it. It's incredible. But- one thing that they talk about is like, you know, investigating and going back to people and asking like, do you remember what happened in 1994, you know, this day? Yeah. And it's like <laughs> having to dig into your mind for the people who didn't have the traumatic experience of saying, right, you know, right. like witnesses and stuff like that. It's so crazy to um, have to remember every single detail yeah. so finely um, and even people who who did have a traumatic experience, sometimes you like your body shuts down and tries to block things out. Yeah, of course. Can't remember Very every common. Detail yeah. I, how long I drove to work that, or yeah. what I wore to work that day, and this crazy things they ask. And if yeah. you say an orange top, but you wore a red, yeah. you know you're lying. Yesterday you said salmon. Yeah. You know? Well, shit. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, and again, like you know, what I was involved in, it was so. You know, when I, I feel like when I talk about like what the environment was like, it's very much like what, you know, what you hear when women are, when, you know, the women came out at Uber or wherever, where it's like, I don't know if you feel this way, where it's bad, but you know that if you were, if that was you, I don't know if I would have like pursued some, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just, 
And even when, you know, in my case, it was kind of serendipitous that it even happened. And so when the opportunity arose, I was like, hell yeah, I'm contributing whatever I can to this movement because this did happen and it was wrong. And I feel like I want to speak out. And and the only reason I didn't before was because you it's you against a behemoth, you yes. know? An employer always looks like a behemoth, even if they're not, you know, they're just bigger than you, you yes. know, they're paying you and there's that like power differential. So um, it's just very, yeah, like, you know, there was a lot of traveling and there was a lot of, remember, you know, this day, this state, this time. And it's like, I don't, I don't fucking yeah. know all the time. Yeah. I don't, passing in the hallway, whatever, at some point, you know? So, um, it's just such a headache that for women, because we're so used to brushing off things that are just like, if I had to throw a, a stone at every dog that barked, you know, I'll, I'll never fucking get anywhere. Like, so I think that for a lot of women that bleeds into really inappropriate behaviors that you just, maybe it's just, you just numb yourself and it gets easier to kind of pass them by. And then, and then now with all of us connecting on the internet and, and empowering one another and, you know, connecting across different states and different countries and stuff. Yeah. It just feels like, no, that is wrong. And I should be able, and you, just because you have more financial power or whatever, political power, whatever, it doesn't mean you can treat me like I'm not a human being. Yes. You know? There's two thoughts I had just as you were speaking. The first thought was like the fact that women have become so used to certain things that it's almost like we kind of are numb to certain things. So the other day I went to go visit my friend, Daniela. She works in Hollywood. I went to go meet her and I'm walking down the street. Um, and the first guy who yelled at me was dressed as a Superman or no, Spider-Man. And oh, one of those Hollywood. Yeah. Like Hollywood signing. By the way, if you're not from Los Angeles and you come out to LA and do your whole exploring LA thing. Do not. Yeah. Just go there. You want to get, you know, maybe you want to, you want to take a picture with Spider-Man. Sure. Maybe just don't let your kids walk up to those people. They're not, you know, government regulated. No. They're just random people who bought a costume once and they hang out there. Um, Just be careful. I don't know. This one, I, I'm being, um, I'm being, I'm being nice saying that he looked like Spider-Man. Like it was not, it was like a vague reminiscent (laughs) memory of Spider-Man's costume. He just lives his life in that costume. Oh my gosh. It was crazy. But I was walking down. He was like, brown sugar, brown sugar, baby, brown sugar, you know? And I was just like- I love the voices that you do. I really (laughs) do. So ridiculous. (laughs) And like, you know, um, your defenses go up and I didn't want to smile at him, but I just had to like smile and- keep walking. And then not, not 10 feet more, somebody else was yelling that he wanted to rub his fingers through my fro. And then when I actually met Daniela, we went to a pizza place and we sat down and then some guy got his pizza and sat right next to us and just was staring at us the whole time eating his pizza. And I'm saying when I, when I say staring, he was staring he would bring his pizza up to his face and still staring and Ew. eat his pizza. It was so creepy. And it was just, I I was so angry because I was like, this is something that happens all the time. Um, and usually I don't think about it. I just go about my day and it sucks. But today I just noticed all the things that yeah. was happening. And like, I couldn't get out of my car and meet my friend to eat food without creeps, you know? Right, right. And I was so angry that 
I got yelled at and just creepy things were said. And this man wouldn't let us eat our food in peace. You know, he felt he could just do that. Yeah. I was so frustrated. So I I recognized that I usually am numb to that thing. And that day I was, and I was just so annoyed. And then the second point that you're talking about was like, when you did hear about the lawsuit happening and you were like, yes, I want to contribute anything I can. A lot of people give this excuse like, why are these women coming up now? This happened 14 years ago. But it's like, for one thing, if I had this trauma happen to me and I saw somebody running for senator or whatever the hell, trying to elevate his life. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going (laughs) to stop you from elevating your life and benefiting when you've done this to me. And I know you've done it to many other women. You know what I mean? Also, yeah, now while all these other people are coming through because I feel um, supported now. Yeah, power in numbers for sure. Power in numbers. And there's a tribe behind me and there's people who... I mean, I, I feel like I can say this thing and be believed for once. You right, know? right. Because so, you have some people maybe you haven't even met in your life who who have the exact, you know, as in the case with Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein. Like, they don't yeah. necessarily know each other, but they all knew that fucking robe. Yeah. You know, they all knew the tactic. They all got escorted up to the room by a female. Whatever. It was, it's all the same trick, you know? It's all the same trick. And it's like some, you know, it's just so... Disgusting to me that somebody can look at somebody and be like, why now? When When is supposed to be the right time? Right, you know, right. maybe it did take me 14 years to 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 heal from this thing. Totally. To be Absolutely. able to speak about it. Like, don't ask me why now. Why exactly. not now? You know, so ask that, why the person did that. Yeah. You know, that's the main thing. Like, Ugh. and and that was exactly it. You know, it was like I wanted to, I mean, when I left that you know, place of employment, it was, that was really the, a real beginning for me of like, what is happening in the world? Like, where, what is this that I'm experiencing that I know has nothing to do with my work ethic or the work that I do, but has everything to do with the fact that I'm a woman? What is that, you know? And it was really difficult for me to leave a job that otherwise, you know, the job itself was fine outside of you know, probably outside of obviously the hostile work environment, the literal job was great. It, it was like really difficult to just leave and know that he would continue to just operate yeah. in the same way. And um, and luckily it wasn't too long that I heard about, you know, someone coming forward to, you know, report this kind of like inappropriate behavior. And so it, it was just like, I mean, what are you really going to be able to do? Because again, because you've built up defenses against it in your life and and you have to move on with your life. I mean, who is going to pay your bills while you see, you know what I mean? You have to get up and move on with your life. And when you kind of, and then when someone, you know, like a lawyer or a judge or whatever is telling you like, how has this ruined your life? You know, it's like, well, I didn't let it ruin my life. I had to get up and move on. I had to just go find a place, you know, another place of employment. So there were certain ways where it was just logistical, you know, stuff where it was like, okay, this is like monetary, but on terms, the rest of it just gets filed in under he said, she said. But yeah, that's definitely, that seemed like even though I mean, I don't, I guess Bill Cosby was before, but it doesn't that the sexual... That was really heartbreaking to me. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, that was 
a while ago, but show a lot. Oh my gosh, that, that was, was the first time I realized Raven and I kind of look look the same because we yeah. look the same as babies. I was like, <laughs> I kind of look like you, totally. Raven. Um, and that's actually when I learned that I had to know how to um, separate because I didn't want that to tarnish my memory of the Cosby Show. Yeah, because I love the Cosby Show and I still do. Yeah, and all the other people I love that were on the Cosby Show, and I I needed to separate that experience from what was happening, you know? Yeah, And it's really hard to do because it just taints everything. And you try to think back and like, oh my gosh, but was he doing that while he was on the Cosby show? Or did he do anything to the other people there to ruin their experience? All these things. But I had to just like preserve my personal um, affection for the Cosby show itself and not Bill Cosby himself, you know? And it's hard to do. I, I think like... For me, and, and again, like I watched the Cosby show and I just don't feel like it was one, of, you know, for for me, I don't know, maybe if it was like, what show would I feel like was my, none of that shit. I don't know. You know what I mean? I watched all of it. So yeah. I feel like maybe Fresh Prince, I'd be like, come on, no, oh, yeah. not you, you know, but um, I feel like, I, I don't know if, if I'm able to like separate it yeah. or, or, and I, the only way I'm able to separate it is to think of the other people on the show, the other people involved in the show. Yeah. You know, the fact that like, that probably sucks for them because they have their legacy in that yeah. as well in certain ways. And because of this one asshole, you know, I mean, and similarly with all of them, you know, yeah. the Weinstein movies, Louis CK's movies and projects and totally. all of these stuff. It's like you fucked over a lot of people yeah. that didn't deserve any of this shit and weren't jerking off in front of women, yeah. you know, and it kept their reputation clean and and their dignity and and, you know, um, respect for women and other people. So I think though, for me, like for separating, I would never be able to watch it now. It's not right, like I, I was going to ask yeah, you. I yeah. I separate it for my past. Right. Sake, okay. Yeah. For my memory's sake. I can't like you can't watch, separate I can't it. pull up Hulu and watch <laughs> yeah. the Cosby show. I can't do that. Um, but I can, I want to separate it for just the sand, my, my yeah. memory. Yeah. You know? And you know, it's like, we, you know, Again, like he, I don't know, did he like write the show? There are other talents that and other minds that went into those memories, yeah. even though his face is most closely like associated yeah. with like it. This is Cosby on the show, Felicia <laughs> Rashad, who, by the way, um, is just became the face of this wonderful initiative that that like I can't, I'm gonna butcher the number, but it's like, I don't know, 25 billion or something. Um, and it's this initiative to elevate um Black history. Okay. Which is really great. So she's leading a new legacy, which is really nice. And um, so I want to, and obviously um, Lisa Bonet. Yes. Who will just be the queen of all things forever. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I remember my brother was in love with her. Yeah. He still is. Um, Chevy, I think too. But (laughs) yeah, it is, you know, I I feel like obviously not the same, but I'm a huge House of Cards fan. Huge, yeah. you know, and and I honestly feel like after I read the, the you know, the main report about the allegations, and of course, people, like you said, kind of came out after that for Kevin Spacey, but um, I felt like, you know, just we're all adults. <laughs> so you just write, the, write him out. I don't write care. Write him out. I yeah, have, you're yeah. so right because there's so many wonderful other people. Yes. Dynamic characters. And we can Claire, all be adult about it, even if it's like just a... Um, 
screen in the beginning that's just like, hey, y'all know what's up. Yeah. We wrote that motherfucker out. We're not going to yeah. explain it. You know why. <laughs> or I love how people are suggesting doing the on, on Viv thing that they did on Fresh Prince. They literally just switched her out and yeah. ignored it and just. Oh, man. <laughs> Who should replace him? Do you, who would replace him as uh, Frank Underwood? Ooh, that'd be rough, right? Hold on, hold on. We can think of somebody. You know what would be hilarious? Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> or somebody had said like Samuel Jackson or something insane, like right, Denzel right. Washington to make it really Ooh, insane. That would be really good. I mean, it, you know what I mean? I don't care what it is. Yeah. The show must go on. I feel like it's- I mean, a, she said- I, I don't want to make spoilers. Whatever. But, if you haven't seen it, you're not going back yeah. to it. Be real. She said my turn and it is her turn. It's her turn. <laughs> and we want to see that. And I think I the last I read that they're, they are- trying to figure something out, yeah. you know? And I just really hope if you're listening to this, writers of House of Cards, because clearly why wouldn't you be a fan of this podcast? Um, we don't care. We don't care yeah. how you write them out. Claire, just, yeah. Shine. We'll just assume she killed him. Yeah. Put it that way. She killed him. She's like, you know what? Never let this motherfucker come back. Um, or elevate Mahershala Ali on that show. Make him president. God, I love that so many people came out and were, uh, were saying that Blake... What, Blake Shelton shouldn't be sexiest. What? Who? <laughs> Gwen said, Stefani. Like, everybody that's else die? <laughs> I was literally like, he's not even the sexiest guy on The Voice. It's, it makes zero sense to me. Sorry, it doesn't. Gwen. I know. Although he has really taken it um, in in stride, all of this backlash, which must be hard to take. I know you're a white man, and we expect you to take all sorts of abuses in terms of not really abuses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But that you, was a strange one, though. It was. I mean, come on. Ill, ill-advised. I mean, if, I mean, if you had to pull from like white males, there are so many other white males to choose from. <laughs> so many white males to just Chris Pine or the other three guys that look exactly like Chris Pine. Pick yeah. one of them. Uh, um, so the other big thing that's been in the news, um, of course, a lot of big things, right? We can't touch on everything. Sorry, and mm-hmm. also my brain. <laughs> is a female brain. So just kidding. That's a <laughs> sexism joke for you guys who maybe tuned in and we're kind of like, can we get a sexist joke? <laughs> right? Shit. Break it up a little bit. Um, anyway, is net neutrality. Oh. So that's been like a, a, obviously like a big deal uh, in terms of these bills that are going through and that idiot that used to be part of Verizon board or whatever, that, that one douchey looking douchebag. Um, so where, you know, it's this bill that would allow internet companies to basically charge you more based on what you use, what apps you use, what websites you visit. Um, and then they would determine that based on how much those websites are paying them and just turn, giving them kind of freedom to be selective and not having an open access internet. So obviously that's been a huge deal. Do you think that uh, if if the internet started charging you for like more for the websites you visited and stuff like that, like how do you, how do you feel about that? Have you been kind of watching this whole thing progress or? I have been watching it progress, not as much as I feel like I should be because it's still so insane to me. And like, I haven't been able to grasp exactly what would happen, but I just feel like it's so crazy that it's happening. It's one of those things that it's like, it's so clearly, um, in the vein of censorship and in the vein yeah. of, you know, um, 
in the vein of like Orange Joffrey wanting to shut down <laughs> CNN and only wanting Fox News to be the only thing exactly, that we, we yes. listen to and watch. And, and it's like, what would the cheap option be? Because that's what like the masses will have. Yeah. And what is that? And it's so sad because it's like a lot of, you know, low income people who will have to have that cheap right. option. What? what? <laughs> I just can't understand how people want, you know, citizens and the world to be a better place, but you limit things for people who may be low income. Um, you're not giving them a, a fighting chance. They're not starting at the same starting point Absolutely. as so many other people. And it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, like, I, I honestly, it's so hard for me to to put into words because I just don't get how it's even gotten this far. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? I I don't know. Yeah, I like I I recently read when um you know as this is kind of all progressed, but kind of at the height of when the um, neo Nazis and you know were marching and doing their little uh, tiki dance. Um, and it was uh it was an article about how the Daily Stormer, that like really racist website, was essentially like taken off the internet because like. This is going to sound so so choppy. But anyway, um, it, whoever owns the internet, because there are companies that are, you know, hosting the internet and giving us the internet. So it's not like this free, like, entity that just, like, lives in the air and is for everybody. It's like there are people and companies that run it and own it. So the CEO or whatever of this cloud company, this parent company, you know, had kind of like a moral dilemma and just decided to go with his gut and cut them off of the internet because he didn't want his company supporting hate speech and, you know, advocating for violence against other people. And obviously the free speech thing came up, but I was like, someone can take you off the internet. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. And then um, I read this follow-up article that was saying that like um, the neo-Nazis are trying to make their own internet because... Mm -hmm. Then they'll, so that kind of helped me a little bit, like understand the net neutrality thing more because I think it's, we are so lucky and privileged to kind of have access to the internet and feels like you have it wherever you go. Definitely take it for granted. Yeah. And you kind of just take it as like a right and that everybody should have it and whatever. But essentially there are companies that control it and they have monetary interests. But I actually have something to Google and I'm so excited because we set up Stacy's laptop in the way that, um, again, in the way that Joe Rogan has it. Shout out to Joe Rogan. I'm stealing your best ideas. <laughs> but I just don't have a Jamie. I don't so have somebody. I'm nervous though because I type kind of loud and I hope- Oh no, you, you can't even hear him. Okay, good. Anyway, so I retweeted this thing. I don't know how I'm going to, I have to find it on my Twitter and then I'll tell you the name and you can look it up. I might be able to find it on Twitter. It's basically this like grassroots- effort of these like young activists and um, coders and whatever tech, tech skills you need to build an internet are going into under-resourced communities and they're creating an internet for them. Oh. Um, and it's really awesome. And this video showed them building it. It's all right. I'll cut out all this extra pause, you guys. But oh my God. And so many videos I can show you right now. Did you see the video of the North Korean soldier defecting and, and running into South Korea through the demilitarized zone? You know, I didn't see the video. I saw um, a snapshot of it. Yeah. I have this issue where <laughs> Sarah knows there, there are levels to things that I can like take 
So I can <laughs> take I can't take cringeworthy things like if a, a comedian tells a joke that's not funny, I can't handle that. <laughs> it makes me cringe. And like, you know, I didn't think that video was going to make me cringe, but I didn't know. I only saw a snapshot of like a picture and I didn't know if he was going to be killed on the video and I just didn't want to watch it. So. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's I totally get that. Yeah. Um cuz okay, here I found this article about um and the title of it is Ignored by Big tele- uh, Telecom, Detroit's Marginalized Communities Are Building Their Own Internet. And it's literally this group of young people who are helping connect. The, I don't know what, they have just like little satellite things. I mean, I'm so, you know, it's amazing here. I'm just going to pass it to Stacey because the, the video's up. Um, I'll retweet it on Kiss My Angelus' Twitter and I'll add it to the post, but it's definitely worth watching. Um, and I definitely think that it's important to keep that in mind in case all of this net neutrality stuff, these bills that allow the companies to pick and choose, move forward. Um, And I know a lot of like um, internet providers are saying that they're going to stand with net neutrality and they're not going to do that, but you don't really know what they're going to put in your terms and conditions. And it's an internet company. Who knows? So there's a lot that they can say now. And then exactly. Um, and they're not going to say no to an opportunity to charge you more. I mean, that's crazy. So, um, it was really cool to see people doing that. So, you know, there are other ways you can advocate towards that and kind of, you know, obviously I'm really, and this is for better or worse, probably for worse. I, I don't, you know, this whole call your senators thing. And maybe it's because we live in California and I feel privileged that it feels like our own country and it feels like for the most part, which is probably wrong. They're all crooked. But anyway, I I don't ever call them and I don't know how much phone banking and all that stuff works. So I always try to think of other things and other like community-based things that um, could fight against that. And I feel like you know, if it did go through a boycott of your internet ser- provider would be interesting. It could be something we could do as a community. Like, what would it be like without the internet for yeah. a month? Yeah. But I don't know. That's wishful thinking. But that's kind of where I'm at on the net neutrality thing. Because I don't know, maybe in a cynical way, I feel like whatever the politicians are going to do, they're going to do. That's And that's from I watching House of Cards. <laughs> going that's back full I circle. sometimes too. And that's probably what contributes to me not knowing fully about net neutrality because I feel like, you know. They try to confuse you anyway because yeah, they don't I want you so. to participate. What do you feel like you're looking forward to in the new year in terms of wrapping up this year? What are you excited to just let die with 2017? Who? Um, let burn. Let burn. Um, well, you know, before we were saying, uh, it's tough sometimes to turn the news off because, you know, things are still happening, but I really want to make an actual effort to do that, you know, because that's the only way that we can, um, survive, to be honest, you know, because there's only so much, um, anger and just darkness that you can harbor inside of yourself. Yeah. Um. So I think you can still be angry and you can still fight for things, but you also have to take care of yourself. Like self care totally. has to be like priority number one. Yep. You know. Um. So for me, for 2018, I really want to make self care a priority. Yep. That's great. Um, mental self care, physical self care. Um. Actually, Sarah gave me this really great thing called the Habit Tracker. Woo! Shout out to Candice who told me about that. And you know what? Shout out to women. Yes. For sharing among the sisterhood anytime there's a good idea. Um. 
So I wrote down a bunch of habits that I want to track. Um, and a lot of them have to do with self-care. Of course, there's the normal things like health, you know, trying to stay fit. And not so much because of some kind of like way that I want to look that looks good to the world. It's just for me because I want to be healthy because I want to live a long, happy life, you know? Totally, totally. Um, Respect your temple, you know what I mean? Yeah. But also I really want to take priority. I think this year was so, was such a bummer uh, politically and socially that I really stepped away from filling my creative well a Mm -hmm, lot. mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I still was going on on auditions and stuff like that. But I don't think I was pursuing things the way that I normally would have because I just felt so low. Yeah, you know? totally. Um, I totally know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like just, We all cocooned a little bit. We cocooned. Yep. Yes, that's exactly what we did. Um, was it hibernate, hibernate? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good just, one too. I can't do this I anymore. I can't do it. I wanted to be like a little like gopher underneath the yeah. ground. Yeah. And I think especially, you know, I, I don't know if you feel like this as a black woman or I feel like this as someone who constantly tells people I'm feminist or whatever. It's like, there is this like, what do you think of that? What yeah. do you, and you know, I think for the women mostly, or at least, you know, amongst us and stuff, it's more of a like, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know, are you, how are you? How are you feeling? Are you holding up through all this? And just on the outside, it's more like people constantly want to know what you think. Yeah. You know, maybe because they want to know how they should think or, yeah. you know. But you know what's fu- not funny, but um, it's something, I think the rest of America is waking up to something that a lot of oppressed people feel all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, Muslim communities, Black communities, Latino communities um, have felt a certain way this whole time. Yeah. And just more people are seeing it in front of their faces right. more now. So it's almost like it is exhausting and I have felt more exhausted this year, but it's also something that like I've felt for a while anyway. Yeah. Um, and we've kind of learned how to deal with it. But um, going back to like filling my creative well, like I really want to make sure to like, you know, LA is so uh, robust, mm-hmm. you know, with creative juices, basically. Yeah. Like, there's great museums. <laughs> there's great stage shows. And I've lived here for so long and there's things that I have not done, have not seen. I, I feel like you do, like, I don't want to say you do a lot, but like, I feel like you're constantly like exploring little nooks. And I am. I'm like, I grew up here and I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't, I've never been there. What? <laughs> Where? I try to stay home most of the time. <laughs> I mean, I try to do those things, but I feel like there was a lull there. So I want to do more. And I feel like, the more I fill that well, the more I'll be able to like um, give it away. Yeah, you know? totally. So I want to give it away. I want to be able to like, you know, step back into that creative space much more. So that's like my priority number cool. one for 2018. I also feel like I don't um, literally give enough of my time. Like I don't volunteer enough. So I've been looking at things to do, ways to contribute. Sarah's really good at thinking of these ideas and um, oh. always on board for the things. <laughs> Read my that you blog. Do. I have suggestions. <laughs> yeah, it's just thank great you. Appreciate suggestions. that. And so I just helps ease the guilt on my side. You know, it's like shut up, guilt. I volunteered today. <laughs> yeah. So creative. You know, volunteering more. Um, and yeah, self care. Those awesome. are my priorities. I love that. I love that. Mm. I think. Yeah. I always bring up the uh, metaphor of. Um, you know, you're on the plane. And so like you have to put your mask on yeah. before you put anybody else's mask on. Yes. You got to take care that of yourself. Perfect. Yeah. And and uh, I think like 
I think the overwhelming feeling that so many of us feel from the news cycle is kind of another control thing, you know, and the media is, is used so well as a tool by so many people, obviously people in power and things like that. So, you know, the fact that so many of us feel overwhelmed by the news and everything is fucked. I mean, it's so, it's easy to say that because everything is fucked, especially if like you read history, history, you're like, oh, it's been fucked forever and it's probably going to be fucked forever. But it's like, it's just, there are things, you know, you can do. And we, you know, we've, Stacy, you know, gives me kudos, but you know, the homeless feeding that we did in our neighborhood was us together. And yeah. it was the two of us, you know, and we just, there are things you can do locally that will still, you know, pulse at the same frequency of the solutions to the problems in Libya and the Globally, problems in, yeah. you know, Saudi for women and things like that. It's it's all connected in one way or another. Um, I read this, I, I read this amazing women's history text, Women and Gender in Islam. And, you know, there there obviously she talks a lot about um Western feminism and and what was kind of happening in the Middle East, specifically in Egypt and stuff like that. And I think that. Again, talking about women sharing, there's so much we can take from each other, but that each person is like fighting their own battle. And, you know, and like, it's funny. I I think like we all care and I'm not, you know, calling out anybody. I'm calling out myself and whatever and working towards improving this. But, you know, we're outraged by so many of the things we see, but like there is a homeless person at every off ramp, you know, and those people live in our communities, whether they live on the street or not, you know. They're part of our community and they probably have had it rough. And and if they were in, you know, a commercial for a different country, it'd be the same, you know what I mean? Yes. It'd be the same type of hell. They are in the same version of hell, their own version of that thing. So I, I try to... That. Yeah, because we feel so overwhelmed by yeah. things going on and we don't know how we can help, but it's like totally. start at home and let that ripple out. Yeah, and, you know, Gloria Steinem was on... Um, Bill Maher, this one random time I was watching it, uh, <laughs> before the, um, what was the last offensive thing I heard him say? And I was like, oh, he said the N-word. The N-word, yep. I was like, oh, oh that's a wrap. <laughs> that's a wrap on the three times I've watched your show. But anyway, uh, she was on there and he asked her something about, you know, that's standard dumbass question where it was like talking about how women in the Western world are relatively more privileged than women in third world countries. And what about those women? And her response was great in terms of like, there are, let's using, you know, using the Middle East as an example, like there are women and feminists and activists in the Middle East who are Middle Eastern women who are advocating for their own freedoms and who have, and so it's not that we shouldn't care about those people or whatever, but it's just like, Supporting them is different than feeling like you have to take on their fight and stop whining about your fight. Oh, that's good. You know, because it's like no one knows what Middle Eastern women need or what is oppressing Middle Eastern women more than Middle Eastern women. And just like, you know, with Black women, it's like, listen to the group that you're talking about. And then and then you can support while also doing what you can do in your own life. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that helps me like not get... Because there is always something, there's something we can do here. I mean, we live in Reseda, which is a really mixed community and there's a lot of gentrification happening, which is obviously displacing a lot of people and you see homelessness and, you know, Stacy and I were talking about recently seeing like homeless sweeps and, and you know that they're essentially literally sweeping them. They are just yeah. moving them from one location to another um, because more investment dollars are coming into this city. So, you know, those are areas where, the community is the only real 
source of support for those people, whether it's donating to the homeless shelter or going out and literally like giving them one meal, taking one meal yeah. off of their mind for that day. Um, so it's, it's still time and it's still energy. And, you know, I know there's often that feeling of like, oh, there's another thing I need to do and yeah. another thing I'm not doing enough of. But there's so many things <laughs> to do. And so you can't <laughs> spread yourself thin. You, you, It's okay to choose one thing. Totally, and, totally. You know, make that your thing and then maybe change your mind or switch and do that other thing. And, and just you doing thing. your whatever it is, like will inspire people to do whatever it is for them. Yeah. Whether, you know, even if it's just like how it is with us, it's like, I want to do, I want to help more. Yeah. But it's like my, the way I want to help, maybe not be the same, the way I feel like I would really enjoy, you know, maybe it's, it's going to an old folks home and making them feel like people with value again, yeah. instead of people who are just, you know, shoved off into these places and forgotten about or whatever, an animal hospital. Like there are a lot of causes, but instead of being overwhelmed, pick one. You yeah. know, you have ultimate choices you could change every month. You know, today, the animal hospital, tomorrow, yeah. Step Up, which shameless plug of Step Up Women's yeah. Network, suwn.org. Go uh, <laughs> donate. Step Up is an amazing organization. And if you want to hear about how I mentor with them or in what capacity and what they do, you can check out the last uh, published blog on the website, um, which is called uh, Five Actions, The Update. So how I fared taking the advice that I'm spewing out into the world. So good. Which is really like my goal. You know, it's it's not, um, it's bringing an audience along on the journey and not necessarily saying that I have the answer to it because we're all figuring it out, you know? Yeah. We're all trying to figure out what our role is and how we can make things better. Well, so, some of us more than others. <laughs> what I love too is that like, you know, we are trying to figure it out. And the fact that you shared those five actionable steps, I don't have to necessarily take the exact same steps. Right. But the fact that you're taking action inspires other people to take action in some Hopefully. capacity. And that's what counts. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, that's how it happened for me. And it, and it was very different, right? Like we work in a really creative pl place and there are all, a lot of creative, very driven people. And so just being around people who are just going for it, wh whatever it is to them is very like, I have an it too. And I want to go for it. You know, I want to reach that. So, um, and it's been great. And honestly, you know, part of my like, upbringing, one of the things that kind of came out of how I grew up was that like sense of guilt of like, you know, and I think a lot of Arab people can agree with me that it's a common thing. But as a, like, as I grow up and become an adult, it's like, I can use that to encourage me to do more for people and do better things and really give my time and, and take what, you know, the joy that comes out of that as like that reward and stuff like that. And it's kind of replacing the guilt. It's like, I'm trying to do my part and whatever that is, I mean, I'm one person, you know, you're one person, but you could still do the amount of one person, which is a lot. And we were just talking about how reading about, you know, for me, right, women, Middle Eastern women of the past and just women in general, especially in the past when it was more dangerous to be a very outspoken woman is really like, okay, it's doable. You know, it was doable back then. It's doable now. I'm reading about these women and they're probably thought that they were worth, like not worthless, but like invisible. Yeah. And maybe on many a days, they're like, this is fruitless. Like this is pointless. I'm never going to make a difference. Things are never going to get better. But things did get better comparative, you know, relative yeah. to how bad they were. Um, and hopefully 
that can keep pushing forward. And for, you know, I think for, if you're a woman, if you're part of any kind of marginalized group, if you faced any kind of oppression, you're like, it took people to change this and I am people. Yes. So, you I know. love that. Snap, snap, snap. Um, <laughs> but that is also, oh, oh my God. I almost forgot about this. So we have <laughs> two audience questions. I mean, oh. not, you know, uh, submitted, previously submitted by audience members that uh, I said I would bring up on the podcast for two bright feminists to answer. And I just want to say, I tried to say that it doesn't have to be, I'm not saying let me give you relationship advice, although I will definitely give you relationship advice. (coughs) My uh, single guy friends like to tease me and say I've been out of the game, but I won the game. So I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) All right. I was like, isn't a healthy, stable relationship the goal here? I know. So I feel like Stacey and I are perfect representatives in that area. Did that thing, man. Right. But um, it doesn't necessarily have to be if and when you decide to submit a question, audience out there, I know you exist. I believe that you are there. Um, You could submit about anything, you know, anything that you feel like a woman might have insight on. What do you think? Bill Burr is the only person that could give you (laughs) advice. All right. Anyway, um, so I have two uh, questions that were submitted. They're kind of along the same vein, but um, I'll, I'll, you know, let them stand as their own questions and we'll give them some advice. All right. So the first question um, is, oh, we, I said I'd give them a funny pen name, but now I'm on the spot and I can't fucking think of one. I'm like, should I just name drop who it was? All right. The first one is from a a young Middle Eastern gentleman. uh, And he says, "Do, do you feel as of late with all these sexual assault allegations that men should change their approach on how to pick up women? And... Follow up, do you think that women are also starting to change their perspective on how they want to be approached by men slash like what an appropriate way is to pick up it is? Like, and you know, I asked him to kind of elaborate and it was like, are women becoming more aware of what's inappropriate? Mm -hmm. You know, as like, that's, you know, we kind of touched on that on being numb to stuff. So I think that's kind of the question. So we'll start with the beginning. Um, Should should men change the way that they approach women? (laughs) <laughs> well, for me, you know, <laughs> there was a really great quote or like, you know, meme, I guess, on Instagram that was like, and this is, I'm not saying that this is what the question is, but it was like some guy saying like, you know, well, you know, I won't be able to flirt because somebody's going to think I'm like sexually harassing them. How am I supposed to flirt with them? And the response Stop was like- Stop saying that to people, guys. Right? You're making yourself look terrible. Yeah. And the, the response was- Part of my French, but with your dick in your pants and your hands to yourself. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's how you very succinct and very well said. <laughs> very well said. Um, there's ways that you can flirt and let people know that you're interested without being gross. Yeah. I, I, right. It's kind of one of those things where you're like, I know it's not complicated, but hmm, yeah. how do I? My my kind of thing is that I think there is, and from what I've experienced from when I was single and just like being around young men or whatever, is that it's too much of a, of a thing. It's too much of a like pursuit and that goal and that like, that's what I do. That's what guys do. Guys go out and they approach women and, and it becomes such a, I, I guess 
women, especially women um, out in public, women in public places, women out at night, um, become like commodities and kind of become objectified, obviously, is really what it is, where it's like you're seeing us as a group rather than as individual people. So my advice is always in this case is like, treat women like people. You could go out and meet a guy or, you know, you could go out and meet people. And I feel like with a lot of young single guys, it's like the goal is to meet a young woman who will eventually have sex with you, hopefully that night. And that's too narrow of a thing. And that's where things get, that's where your energy gets a little too creepy. And that's where it becomes too much of a specific goal. And that's why, you know, if girls are very familiar where the later it gets, the more aggressive and rude guys get because you're like up against a clock. And that kind of pressure is not going to do well, especially if you're drinking. So, you know, should men change the way that they approach women? I mean, probably, probably assuming that I think a lot of guys think that any time is a good time to approach a woman if the woman is uh, physically attractive to to that man. Yeah. and okay, this kind of, oh, okay. So his follow-up was, do you think that women are also starting to change how they want or what's an appropriate way? I, I think the question was kind of like, are women more aware of- It's like um, being woke. I guess like, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe certain certain women. And, and then again, I so said women are, it depends on where you're at in your life and then you grow up and you yeah. experience different things. Because um, I know different things that come up where, oh, we were talking about how, you know, when you're younger, certain- aggressive and and not aggressive in, in the touchy way, but almost in the um, pursuit, you know, like, you know, just really like forward and calling you a lot or whatever it is, um, was more tolerated. And I kind of like attributed that to like, the younger you are as a woman, the more you believe that your value is connected to how men treat you, you know? So if men are giving you attention, you're like, okay, I'm doing something right. And then the man feels like he's doing something right because you're responding to that. And we're all kind of fucked up in our opposite ways. You know, guys, it's like your value is so associated with how how many women you sleep with, like how many women you're able to get to give you their number to be interested in you or to date you or whatever it is. And, you know, ironic, like oddly or not oddly, actually pretty deliberately, like for women, it's the opposite. It's like your value is placed on how modest you can be and how whatever, and you're kind of need to be pure and wait for whatever. So it's like, we're all kind of dealing with what's like expected of us. But I think for men, because of what we're obviously seeing in assault and harassment and the Me Too movement and all of that stuff, it's like, obviously there's something wrong with what you think is normal behavior or what you, you know, and obviously the line gets gray from there and what is acceptable in how you treat people. Mm. And I think not touching people is a great place to start. Yes, Keep your hands to yourself. Second grade. You have to return to this as 30 year olds. Like just don't touch people. And if when you get drunk, you're more touchy, then maybe ease up a little bit, you know, maybe learn how to kind of contain yourself. And so- I guess the long-winded answer to that is no, I think women have always not wanted you to harass us. Yeah. <laughs> We've always known when it's weird and and maybe it's it's obviously hard to explain to somebody who when you live your life as a man, it's very rare that it would happen to you. Yeah. It's it's um this is a different it's not a male female thing, but I was having a conversation with somebody today 
And I was telling them that like me and my husband just recently got this new card and it has a buddy pass so we can travel to different places and I can fly for free. And I was like, where should I fly? And he was like, you should go to Aspen. And um, I was like, <laughs> anybody that I know who's gone to Aspen has had kind of like racist experiences. Okay. Hey, um, Chevy's from Colorado. Oh, sorry. And he's <laughs> nodding his head yes. Chevy's um, like, I was the brownest person there. <laughs> They've had racist experiences and I was speaking to a white male. <laughs> and he was like, really? <laughs> oh, um, I've never heard that, really. And I was like, why would you have, you wouldn't have ever, no way. would you have experienced that? You don't know what it's like to be anybody but a white male. So, <laughs> and I wasn't saying it to be mean. I was just like, oh, I mean, you know, you wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. Why would you know? That? Why would you know? But now you do. I've told you. So now is a little bit of a little spark of like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can see that from a different perspective. So, you know, there might be um, things that males, uh, you know, men haven't had to think about when totally. it comes to flirtation and touching and all that kind of Which thing. Which is the, the safety factor. It's such a safety Sometimes factor. we're nice because we think you might kill us, especially because yeah. you've taken back three shots since we've been talking. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a it's a danger factor. It's and, a danger for the same way, yeah. the same reason why when that Spider-Man was calling me brown sugar, I wasn't like, shut up, excuse me, because <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do. He's a crazy man. That's, <laughs> that's crazy what we, we want to do that yeah. so bad. Question number two. Kind of in the same vein, you guys. Sorry, but um, I mean, not sorry. These are from the audience. So (laughs) submit questions. We could talk about whatever. It doesn't have to be relationship-based, but here we are. Okay. Again, same vein. What is the best way to approach a girl in the gym? Oh, the gym. (laughs) We're like, I don't know. What the fuck? What is a gym? Because I feel like... I came to the gym to like be in the zone. Yeah. That one's kind of tough. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's definitely one of those like, you know, do you want to be approached in the gym when you're working out? Especially when you're those one of those workout people, you know? Like not really. Um, The thing about the gym too is hard because if it doesn't go well or if you make someone uncomfortable or if they ghost you or whatever the case yes, is, it's still your gym. gym. Yeah, what are you going to... You know they never let you give up that membership. Oh. <laughs> You're stuck with that, you know? So I, I wish I could say things like, just don't. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't go up to... You know, or, or let things happen kind of naturally. I, I think like where I landed on this when I was kind of thinking about it was um, my advice is be okay... Maybe this is bad advice. I don't really know. Be okay with letting it go. Be okay with not talking to every woman that you find attractive or that you're like, I have to. Be okay with kind of letting it go. And I guess especially with the gym, if you're a regular attendee and she's a regular attendee, maybe something, you know. Naturally uh, will. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, eventually you see each other there where, you know, that moment where you're like, I see this person a million times and I've never said anything. Um, but it has to be a lot of times and then still you kind of have to base it on their body language and all that good stuff. But mm. my general, like my gut wants to say like more often than not, don't. Only because women are so often, you know, our time is so often just demanded of us for free and you don't kind of get to be in public and just be alone and not be bothered. And that's probably one of the biggest things I feel like I envy about being a man is that you could really you really own your time a lot of the time and you're not interrupted. I feel like as much as women are constantly feel like you're on display or whatever it is, you know, you can just kind of like 
fade into the background or, you know, whoever, if you're one of those people who feels like you can do that, I mean, I, I, I like envy that ability to walk down the street and feel like you're going to just be able to be fine yeah. walking down the street. Um, so that's kind of my advice, but that's ba- based on just me. Like, just don't, just don't let the girl work out. And then if, if there's like a, <laughs> some of those fancy gyms like Equinox do these like fucking mixers and stuff. Yeah. So if you want your gym to be a place where you can also meet some, like going to the gym is super important to you and is part of your life and you're one of, you know, you're a gym person and you want to meet a gym person, then maybe go to one of those gyms that has like the mixer, you know, it, it sets things up in that way. Or go to a, a meetup that, like, oh, one yeah. of those like workout meetups. Yeah. <laughs> they have tons of those. Like, I understand wanting to meet somebody who who shares your interests. And if you really like fitness, she really likes fitness, whatever. There are meetup groups. That's like, meetup True. is great. And again, meetup isn't always a romantic thing. It could be platonic, but you're just like meeting people. But I feel like people who are specifically going to the gym really are trying to be in the zone. Yeah. It is kind of a vulnerable thing too, because often at the gym, you're just, again, in the zone. You might even, for women, you might just be in a sports bra and mm. you just are exposed and like you feel exposed. And it's yeah. like some pe- there are mirrors everywhere. Yeah. Okay. So um, those were those questions. So hopefully that was an answer for you. And honestly, it might seem, it might seem, um, I guess, like, like, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but it really is as it, simple as like treat yeah, women as people. Yeah, it might seem simple, but yeah. it's. It's try it. What is actually as simple? Yeah, (laughs) that's all it it is. is. (laughs) And then honestly, like for guys, like the plus side is that you start getting used to seeing, you know, it's in your benefit too to see women for more than just their looks because then all these like these guys who who pretend that they have gold diggers chasing them. Let's be honest, you don't have gold diggers, but (laughs) you know, then you then you see past the facade, whatever you feel like with the superficial, you know, you're able to see people for who they are and girls, women know more than anybody that, you know, loving somebody and meeting somebody and connecting and having chemistry with somebody, you know, includes physical attraction, but is by no means limited to that and doesn't have to stop there and often doesn't start there. So, um, just because you're, I feel like you just cut yourself off from so many amazing people because you just have this superficial. And of course, you know, men aren't alone in this. Um, But it just makes it easier to just interact with human beings. And you have better relationships and you're able to nurture platonic relationships with women. And then you learn more about women. And I love the nurturing the platonic relationship thing because even if you start speaking to somebody who, who society says is physically attractive, whatever... And you yourself see that like, um, I'm not really hitting off of this person. Your brain is so wired that you like wanted to sleep with this person or whatever. Right. That, like you don't continue the relationship that could be a wonderful blossomed platonic totally. relationship. You know, you just cut it off and it's like you're missing out on so much. Like both Sarah and I have really great, yeah. wonderful male relationships. Um, they have the I better end of the deal. They really don't. <laughs> But I think, you know, in this world, you know, we're both married. So I think some people think it's like safer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Like it's easy for them to like file us away. Not that that, I think that that's what our guy friends do, but like maybe it makes it easier to let your guard down a little or. Totally. But yeah, you know, guys out there, you're missing out on so many good relationships if you don't just approach people as people, you know? Stacey, any final words to the listeners um, coming from a balanced, successful, 
feminist who is working towards bettering herself and her community. I mean, what can we impart? I mean, it's the end of the year. Like what? We probably won't be back in touch. Our our voices probably won't be on the airwaves until 2018. Mm. So how are we ending this? You guys, actually, one thing that I am doing, um, a lot of people wait till January to start their news resolutions and they put a lot of pressure on themselves. And, you know, like we were talking about, it's all about self-care and taking care of yourself. You know, and pressure is part of that. You don't need to put undue pressure on yourself. So if you want to have a New Year's resolution, just start today, you know, start your thing today, start that project, write that script, you know, whatever it is, whatever creative endeavor that you're trying to get into, just start it today. Use what you have, do what you can, start where you are, that kind of thing. Um, And um, also in that same vein, really start operating out of a place of like abundance. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't operate out of a place of lacking and thinking that you can't do something because of whatever. Just operate out of abundance and um, in in combination with self-care, I think that will help to naturally balance yourself out and lead you into the new year in a really beautiful, balanced way. Oh, well said. Beautiful. I am not going to ruin that. So we'll end it right there. Thanks for joining us again. And we'll see you next time. telling you, man, I rack my brain nights. All right. I mean, I don't stay up late. All right. But, oh, you know, <laughs> if I stay up past 11, that's what, I, maybe. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about like, what would be a way to respond to a cat collar that like, I could really like hurt them. Not, you know, I'm not trying to hurt them, although, yeah. but hurt their feelings. I don't know if that's possible <laughs> and still get away. Yeah. Like, I'm like, how can I I would love do to this? just like, reply and then fly away. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, okay, so this is like, my, okay, this is the last time I got cat called, it was by some young, he seemed young, right? And then he um, he said I was beautiful, which great, thanks. Um, which by the way, guys in the compliments. They think that we should be so, yeah. thank you. It's a compliment. <gasps> Listen, bitch, I compliment myself in the morning every day when I look yeah, in the I mirror. Yeah, I know I'm beautiful. Thank you, <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, I wasn't really, you know, out soliciting compliments from street men. <laughs> But anyway, the last time he seemed like a young kid. So the only thing I've come up with now, should this happen again, especially in my neighborhood, because once you become a homeowner, you're like, listen to me, (laughs) I pay taxes. Um, So, and again, I was walking my dog. I was dressed like a normal human being and, um, and this happened. So I decided the only thing I could do is I'm going to find... I want to get them to stop so that I could approach and say something. And I literally just want to be like, I want to like mother them. Yeah. I want to be like, well, what, what did you, what are you doing? What's going to happen? What are you, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. I, I live here, dude. I'm, I live here. I'm walking my dog. What, what it, why do you want to ruin my, like, yeah. I just feel like, the end goal here. I don't know if you've ever seen that video. Google it. Here we go. Okay. Ooh. It's Tom Cruise getting interviewed on a red carpet and the interviewer, I believe, spills water on him. Oh, I saw that. <gasps> It's hard to watch. It's, it's hard to watch, right? It's, it's so hard to it's watch. It's really hard to watch. So I want to Tom Cruise cat collars. Where he was like, 
Yes. Oh my God. I swear to God, if I was the person who did this, which I would never do that because it really is a weird thing. I would have peed my pants. Yeah, it should work, right? I think as soon as you did it, I heard it last time. So just play it. Let's see. Why would you do that? Oh my God, here it is. Why would you do that? Come here. here. He's grabbing his wrist. Why would you do that? It's okay. No, no, wait a second. He's calm. Oh my What's God. What's so funny about that? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Do you like making less of people? No. He's still holding his hand. He's like, you will answer me. Hey, hey, no, no, don't run, don't run. Oh, that's good. Oh. It's like, you're gonna face this. No, no, let me have it. I don't care. That's incredibly rude. I'm here giving you an interview and answering your questions, and you do something really nasty. You're a jerk. You're a jerk. Wow. Well, you know what? Oh, to be a white guy. I want that. <laughs> I guess I'm, they're both white guys, but yeah. But still, he had to face his. All right, that's good. Ridiculousness, you know. Yeah, it's definitely like one of those things where you know that the person isn't going to have a response, yeah. and it's just going to be like, I mean, unless their response is because I'm an asshole and yeah. I thought it was funny or whatever. But it's it's really like, do I? I mean, I'm. I feel like everything kind of goes back to like respecting people as people. And obviously that always comes up in ways that are skewed in terms of power dynamics. But like, I'm a, like, you know, when I'm crossing the street, like I worked hard to figure out a way to live here and I respect the neighborhood and I, you know, I'm walking my dog. And honestly, it makes, I, I, I don't do it as often as I want to because I don't want to deal with shit like that. And that's, you know, somebody in a car is less threatening than somebody following you or whatever or and even when they're in the car you want to say something back but it's like I don't want you to turn around yep. and God knows what's going to come after that so you know I, I want to Tom Cruise them 